I'm going to go to Romans, the 10th chapter, 6 through the 13th verse. Romans, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will, who will descend into the abyss. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That is that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all. Who call upon him. Anybody can be saved. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Say amen. Listen at this clearly. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And my focus is from verse 8. That's my focus. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. Come on, just say this with me. The word is in your mouth. Look at somebody and say, the word is in your mouth. It was a Tuesday morning, September 11th, 2001, around 9 o'clock a.m. in the morning. I had been at work about 30 minutes. I start work at 8.30. I was sitting at my desk in my workstation. I'll never forget it. My co-worker, Bill Yee came to my cubic cubicle and he announced that a plane had just crashed into the World Trade Center. And I stopped, I'll never forget what I was doing. I stopped, put my pen down, I said, oh my. I said, really? And me and Bill, I said, let's, let's go. We, there was a TV in our, in our field room. We went back and we turned on the TV. And of course, the news was on every station. And we were looking at one of the Twin Towers burning flames and smoke. And we were saying tragically. And in real time, we saw another plane come in and hit the other tower. And there it was. 
We later found out that uh, another plane crashed into, uh, a third plane crashed into the Pentagon, the Pentagon, that's in Virginia. Then we found out a fourth plane crashed into a field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Now, we were told that when the fourth, the fourth pilot in the fourth plane found out what had happened, I guess he decided, they, they assumed he just decided to just crash his, crash his plane and not uh, cause any other harm. Almost 3,000 people were killed during that terrorist attack. After that attack, America drastically changed. The airport security changed forever. It's been so long, we can't even remember. You could get to, to the airport about 30 minutes. You didn't have to stand too long, you didn't have to wait too long. Now, you better, you better take about an hour, hour and a half. The economy took a huge hit. U.S. government agencies for the first time took a huge financial hit. I say that because I work for a municipality. Every city, every state is a subsidiary, subsidiary from the U.S. government. Uh, we enjoyed, they said that, of course, you get a government job, it's, you're safe, you're secure, great benefits. After 9-11, the government stopped sending money to the states. The states stopped sending money to the city. It was a trickle-down effect where uh, uh, Livonia started laying off people. I never saw municipality lay off before. Things changed forever. The world changed forever, all because of a single day and a terrorist attack. I vividly remember, I remember, uh, Valerie, uh, your father and my father were in Canada fishing, Mother Brantley, and they didn't know anything about it. When they got, they said when they got back, the, the bridges were, of course, backed up, and they didn't know what was going on until they got and found out what happened. I remember vividly also that next coming Sunday, this was on a Tuesday, that Sunday, New Testament was packed. <laughs> Visitors was there crying, everybody crying because they didn't know what happened. All because of one tragic event. An event that you only read about in other countries, but never experienced in America. The home of the free, the land of the brave, this great America, this great United States changed forever. Y'all still with me? It appeared that our freedom and our way of life was used against us to attack us. Just recently in 2020, the entire global earth shut down in a matter of weeks. The entire earth 
shut down because of one virus, COVID-19. And we witnessed tragedy and death in a different way. That too changed the way we think and live. Now, of course, obviously, I said that because today is September 11th, and people will be celebrating, or not celebrating, but remembering what had happened. And of course, 2020, they'll be remembering that for a long time. And I mentioned these two world events as changing our way of life, our money, our livelihoods, our careers, our jobs, our economy, our freedoms. When those things are, that I just mentioned, when those things change or diminish, it is always experienced and felt mentally and physically. Our livelihoods, our money, our freedom. But do you not know that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ changed this world forever? Are we mindful of that single event, those three days that literally changed the whole global earth forever? It, it, it affected our freedom more than the attack on September 11, 2001, where, where, where freedom and health from 2020 COVID, freedom and health were compromised because of those events. The gospel of Jesus Christ satisfied and ratified freedom and health. Say amen, someone. John 8 and 36, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Say amen to the word of God. One of the most popular scriptures in the Bible, John 3 and 16, For God so loved the what? For God so loved the world. For God so loved the whole earth that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The whole world, not the black race, not the Baptist church, not the church of God in Christ, the entire world. That's why I come against, I, I, I hate this term, excuse me. <laughs> I, I know what y'all mean. I know y'all don't mean no harm, but I, I just, it, it just bothers me because it's not in the Bible. I hate when we say the black church. I come to white church never say the white church. Why we got to, he didn't come. I know what you mean, but I, I just, 
it, 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 it grieves me because when Jesus died, he didn't die for the black church, the white church. He died for us all. Am I telling the truth? I don't know why y'all think y'all going to be discriminated in heaven. There's a, there's a Baptist there's a Baptist section in heaven. There's a Church of God in Christ section in heaven. There's a Methodist section. And when you get to heaven, I know y'all worship there. Go to, your, go to your worship experience. No, 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 no. That's, that's man-made segregation. That's man-made segregation. I want to go where I feel comfortable. At the throne of Jesus Christ, I, I just want to see the nails print in his hand. The, the Bible says he will return as he left. So, so he's going to leave that hole there. So when I get to heaven, I'll be able to see what he did for me. Come on, say hallelujah. Why preachers, I, I didn't like it. You can use your history when the, when the Southern Baptists and the Northern Baptists split because the Southern Baptists wanted to keep slaves. And you know, you can read the history where the Southern Baptists put a, put a slant on the scriptures where they, they, would, they would tell the slaves, you see what it says, slaves obey your masters, but they were, they were using it as oppression. In the Bible, it was your career and your job. They weren't oppressed in the Bible. You, you served and worked for your living. It was not oppression, but the Southern Baptists put a slant on that, and, and I'm against slant, but I'm also against slant when they say we have black liberation theology. I, that, I, that, 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 that's a slant on the scripture. We, we, we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. No slant in the Bible. Whosoever will, black, brown, red, green, orange, whatever you are, Martians, whoever lives, he died for you. Because he did not come into the world to condemn the world. Look at somebody and say, you are not condemned. But that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. Jesus said here, he said, I brought the light, but the problem is men love darkness rather than light. They, they love evil because their deeds, they don't want to stop doing what they don't want to do. That's the problem. Out of church, in a church. People do not want to stop doing what they want to do. The word can be clear, but they do not want to. If they Don't mess with me. They'll get mad at you. I'm a word preacher. I'm sorry. 
I can't, I can't help what other churches do. I can't help what other preachers do. I, I wanted to make sure. That's why I went to school. I wanted to make sure I could rightly divide the word. I, I wanted to make sure. I didn't just want to just uh, preach and, and don't mess with nothing. I want to make sure. I'm, I want to get to heaven, you all. I don't know about you all. I, me, I want to get to heaven. And then I read in Ezekiel, the Lord says, if you don't tell them, I, I, read it, I read it last week, if you, if the preacher, the prophet don't tell them, then they're going to be condemned. But God said, I'm going to get you. So ain't nobody going to get in front of heaven and say, you know, I didn't know that. And you can't get them and say, well, they did it over there. No, no. Jesus Christ changed the world. But many in the world still don't know it or believe it. It is interesting to me that we cannot catch sin. It's interesting to me. You are infected with sin from conception. You don't have to wear a mask in front of sinners. You can't catch what they got because you already got it. <laughs> You, you, you can't be contaminated because you're already contaminated. That's why, you, that's why we remember Jesus. Jesus said, I took the contamination from sin. Somebody say, thank God for Jesus. We were born into sin and we needed something and someone to heal us from our sin nature. Jesus was that person. God loved us so much that he looked beyond our thoughts and he saw what we really needed. People look at what you do, but God looks at why you do it. People look at the act and God deals with the call. People judge you by what you do, and God is looking at the motive and the cause and the root. You go to an emergency room with something, two things they'll tell you most times. They'll give you an ailment for your symptoms, and they'll say, see your doctor. They'll come in there and treat the symptoms. You got a headache, they don't care about a tumor, they're just going to treat the headache. Well, here's some Motrin 4 or something that's going to get you hooked. They give you something, they say, see your doctor. They're not going to take time, but, but, but God, he sent Jesus to not look at the headache, but to look at the cause. to look at the root of the problem. Jesus took care of the root of sin, the original sin. Isaiah 53, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who, 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 who's ready to listen to what God says? Who, who's ready to, to listen 
to, to God's point of view. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And in amazing look in the Bible, it never says Jesus was handsome, Jesus was ugly. It never says that because that's not the focus. He's our Savior. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. You don't remember how good he looked. He is despised and rejected by men. Men didn't receive him. They hated him. They wanted to kill him. A man of sorrows and acquainted with greasy preachers, you want to be light. You're going to preach some things that people not going to like. And we hid as it were our faces from him. Instead of listening, we reject it. He is despised and rejected by men. Six, seven, six or seven hundred years before Jesus came, it's in the present tense. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He had his own sorrows. He had his own hate mail. But yet that wasn't enough. They tried to kill him. They tried to stone him. They lied on him. Yet that was not enough. He still had an assignment. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But, but, if that was not enough, but, if that was not enough, but he was wounded for what? Our. He was bruised for our iniquities. Oh, somebody ought to be shouting right now. He was wounded for me. He was bruised for me. The chastisement of our or for our peace was upon him. He fought for your peace. Come on, say Jesus fought for my peace. And by his stripes we are healed. Come on, say hallelujah. By his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. Y'all know what that means? He said, he, he, he wanted, I, I guess he wanted to say like this. All you dumb sheep have gone astray without a shepherd. All you dumb sheep, all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. I'm going to do what I want to do. Can anybody tell me what to do? And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed 
and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He did not complain. He, he did not complain. He did not open his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment and who will declare his generation for he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people he was stricken and they made his grave with the wicked but the rich at his death because he had done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth he did absolutely nothing I was visiting, uh, I had a cousin in jail, and, and I was visiting him, and, and he said, he said, I'm okay. He said, I know what I did, and I'm okay. I'm going to do my time. He said, the people in here that are losing their mind is the ones that were falsely accused. You ever read about on the news where somebody was in prison 29 years and got released on something he didn't do? Can you imagine the mindset of being somewhere and you didn't do nothing? Can't imagine being somewhere you didn't. Uh, of course, we heard in our, in our history where people were falsely accused and people were falsely shot. The, the mindset, yet Jesus did not lose his mind. He did not go insane. And they made his grave and the wicked, but the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Oh my goodness. All this I'm going through. And he says, that's what you're supposed to do. In the Garden of Eden, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was praying, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me and then he says nevertheless not my will but your will because God knew that if a man got you in the mess a man has to get you out the mess so he became flesh God Jesus was God and man at the same time that's a mystery we'll never understand but he was all God all man at the same time and we never fully could understand that it's a mystery that he can be all God and all man. He wasn't part God, part man. He, he was all man, all God at the same time because he had to be all man so he could take care of the sin problem. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when you make his soul and offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. God said, I've got the remedy for the sin problem. I can put the devil in his rightfully place. The devil stole our dominion and our authority that God gave us when Adam and Eve sinned. 
The devil stole it. And God sent Jesus to take it back from the devil. And he declares all power is in his hand. So I declare unto you salvation, healing, and deliverance is available to every person in the whole world. Salvation, healing, and deliverance is available to every person in the whole world. Salvation, healing, and deliverance is available to every person in the whole world, every nation. And many people live beneath their privilege. Many saints do not fully embrace what they have and what they are in Christ because of unbelief and the lack of knowledge. Hosea 4 and 6, are you all still with me? Hosea 4 and 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priests for me because you have forgotten the law of your God. I also will forget your children. People don't want to know. You know why they don't want to know? Because if I don't know, then I ain't got to stop. Many saints are content in making Jesus their Savior, but fail to make him Lord of their life. Think about that. Jesus saved you, but is he the, is he the Lord of your life? You don't know what Lord means? Look it up. Lord means boss. Look it up. Lord means boss. That's what Lord means. Look it up. It means boss. It means uh, the Lord is in control. When you look at those medieval kingship type of movies going back to the 14, 1500, they'll say, yes, my Lord. I Meaning what they're saying is the one that in greater authority. So when Jesus comes in, he saves you. You've got to redeem your, or you've got to re, re, rescind or renege or surrender or submit your ways to him. Many, on Tuesday night, we looked at Jesus addressing the faith. I don't know if you ever looked at that. Go back to your Gospels and look, look at many times Jesus says to his followers or disciples, where is your faith? Oh, you look, you, oh, ye of little faith. Or why did you doubt? Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. In other words, when you, when you look at that, look at it clearly. Uh, when, when they were on the boat and Jesus was asleep, the storm came, the storm, the storm was raging, and Jesus was asleep, and, and they, they wake him up and say, Jesus cares not that you perish. He rebukes the wind, rebukes the waves. And then he says, where is your faith? When Peter was sinking, when Peter was sinking, can you all hear me? When Peter was sinking and, and he walks on the water and he sinks, he cries out to Jesus, Jesus saves me. And, and Jesus uh, pricks him up, and, and, and he tells Peter, 
uh, why did you doubt? You know, I'd have been like, well, just get me out the water, please. Let me, let's talk later. But he, in the midst of saving him, he says, why did you doubt? Many times, he says to believers, disciples, y'all remember when the man brought the son to Jesus and he said, uh, I took him to your disciples and they couldn't, they couldn't do it, they couldn't cast him out. And, and Jesus said, oh, faithless generation, how long should I be with you? Frustration. Disciples come in private and said, Master, how come we couldn't do it? And Jesus said, first of all, because of your unbelief. Then he teaches a lesson. If you have a grain of a mustard seed, you can say to that. And then he says, however, these come out, but by fastening, praying. So what is the takeaway? The takeaway is Jesus expected something from them. He expected them to have more than what they had. He expected them, or he would not have said, why did you doubt? He expected them to do and to be what he was. But they fell short because of their unbelief. So I say that to, to look and to remind you that Jesus expects something more from you. Healing, deliverance is available. Come on, say healing and deliverance is available. It's kind of like this. People who have not made Jesus Lord of their life. It's, it's kinda, I'm going to use this analogy. Um, the Lord gave me this this week when I was pondering on what, what I would um, uh, speak on today. And, and the Lord said, uh, think about this. You, you know, when you get something tailored, uh, you get something taken in, you get a custom suit. What does the man do? The tailor, he, he takes the garment and he fits it to you. You ever had a tailor-made suit or even if you take it to someone to take it in, you, my wife has taken things and, and you get a tailor-made suit, they, they, they take it, they fit it, to your body. I'm preaching you don't even know it. And, and, and the purpose is to, to portray to whoever looking at you that the suit or the dress is fit to made or fitly made for you. Am I telling the truth? And when you, if you're going to pay money to have something tailored, you want it to fit a certain way. Everybody say amen. amen. You know what the Lord said? He said, that ain't salvation. The Lord said, salvation is one size fits all. The Lord spoke to me and said, Salvation is one size whosoever believeth. And he said, one size fits all. But then the Lord said, it ain't done yet. He said, if there's any cutting, 
and trimming to be done. It ain't on the garment side. It's on my side. You cut and fit your ways to measure up to his ways. And people now are trying to cut the gospel out to fit them. And it ain't the word of God. The Lord said, it's one size fits all. One size fits all. Y'all looking at me funny. I'm hurting somebody. I don't care. One size fits all. And if you're going to trim, you ain't trimming the cross. You ain't trimming Jesus. You ain't trimming the blood. You're trimming yourself. Uh, you got Bible? <laughs> Do you have Bible? Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, let a man deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And you can read in Jude, you can read in Timothy. This is the time where people have itching ears. It's, it's in the Bible because Paul told Timothy, there's coming a time where they will not receive sound doctrine. The time is now where they have, tell me what I want to hear. Tell me what I want to hear. Tell me what I want to hear, and I'm going to get mad if you don't tell me what I want to hear. So he tells Timothy, preach the word. be in season, preach it in season or out of, when they want to hear it or when they don't want to hear it. If I'm wrong, I've got to line up. If you're wrong, you've got to line up. But we've got to preach the word. Oh, I love Jesus. Jesus said, my blood fits all. Anything you've done, just come to me. Any sin you have, just come to me. Come unto me all who are heavy laden. Jesus said, I will give you rest. bless his name oh bless his name oh bless his name if you're going to tailor anything it's going to be cutting myself to line up to God's garment Lord told me that he gave me that analogy when I was cleaning out my closet and putting these clothes away the Lord can preach, the Lord can give me, and that's what he said. He said, he said, you don't tailor the word to fit you. You're going to cut out something that's important. There's some things I didn't want to give up. 
but I had to give up. See, y'all think now, he don't, now there's some things that if it wasn't in the word, I might try it. But it's in the word, so I stay away from it. See, the hardest thing to do is to give up something you like. That's the hardest thing. Somebody say amen. When flesh want to do it, it's hard to give up. But, but you got to be willing. If you are willing and obedient. Come on, say, if you are willing and obedient. Anybody willing and obedient? I got to close. I think I, I think I, I didn't get to the text. The text says that the word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. You know what that means? It's that Jesus said, I did everything. You just have to confess it. I've done everything. You have to believe it. When you come to Christ, it's already paid. It's already done. I've got to confess with my mouth and believe in my heart. Come on, say it's in your mouth. How can I be saved? Confess that Jesus is Lord. He, he, that he died for me. That, that he rose from the dead. That, 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 that his blood was shed for my sin. He said, Paul was saying that, just confess. Everybody just confess. The word we preach, that word of faith we preach, confess with your mouth. Then he says, for there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile or the Jew and Greek. In other words, all. There is no Jewish salvation. There is no Greek salvation. It is one salvation in Jesus Christ. And when we come to him, it's a beautiful life. Come on, say it's a beautiful life. I wouldn't trade it for nothing. Everybody standing. Hallelujah. Come on, lift those hands. Come on, lift those hands and worship. These are trying times because the Bible says that the last days men shall be lovers of themselves. In other words, they, they, they have so much pride. They love themselves. They, they ain't willing to change. This is what I do. This is what I want. This is what I do. He said they'll be lovers of themselves. You've got to be bold enough. Well, they doing it. Well, the preacher doing it. They doing it over there. Well, see, you don't know what deception is. Nobody has ever said, the devil came to my door and said, I'm going to deceive you. 
The devil never says, I'm getting ready to do this. No. Deception means that I think it's right. I think it's okay. But you're being fooled. And, and, the, and Satan knows if I get the leaders to do it, then the church will follow. So that's why you have to have a discerning. It, 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 see, 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 the, the devil knows that if I get the leader to do it, the church will follow. But see, I'm, I'm, I'm strong enough and brave enough to say, I don't care what family does. Well, how can you say that? Your, your family, I got to meet God. And what I tell you, I've already told my children. What I've told you, I've already told my children. What I've told you, I've already told my children. And you know what I do? You won't say you didn't know. Because Jesus said, it's for everyone. But any cutting and tailoring is not. As many ministries are mentioning the Bible. They're not really preaching the pure word. Well, how, what makes you right? I ain't saying I was right or wrong. I'm just saying I do my best to rightly divide the word of truth, and I'm not going to leave out anything that even hits me. Don't you know the preacher gets it first? Don't you know I get it first? I'm just smart enough not to get mad and walk out. I get it first. I was telling someone, I said many times I got hit in the pulpit and I, I didn't get up and I, I just, Lord help me. Lord help me. Lord, I got to come up. I got to do better. But now this time with social media and people got their own platform, they don't want to hear nothing now. They, they'll find someone to tell them what they want. Bow that head. If you really want to be saved, if you want to be saved, come to this altar right now. I want to be saved. Jesus called publicly. That's why we do it. Everything Jesus did in the Bible was before a crowd. Come, come. You can be saved right now. Jesus said it's in your mouth. Just, just come. I want to be saved. Everybody here, if you died right now, you would go to heaven. That's what you're telling me. Everybody here, if you died right now, you would go to heaven. Come, come. Come, my sister. Yes, yes. Come, come, come. Hallelujah. Let's praise God. Let's praise God. Come on, first lady. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus loves you. He loves you.